welcome to Firm Foundation. In these times of shifting standards and faulty foundations, there is a solid place on which to build a victorious life. And that place is the Firm Foundation of Jesus Christ and the Word of God. Your host for Firm Foundation is Brian Hudson, a Bible teacher, pastor, author, and producer of Life Enriching Media. Let's go to the Word. Today's message, the conclusion to this series, is entitled, The Liberty of Love. Say the liberty of love. Our foundation scripture for the series is Galatians chapter 5, verse 13. For you, brethren, have been called to liberty. Only do not use liberty as an opportunity to the flesh, but through love serve one another. We've been called to liberty. Liberty is freedom. Freedom in all kinds of ways. But don't use your liberty as an occasion or opportunity for the flesh. Don't, lose, don't, don't use this, this power you have then to, to make it selfish, but continue to point that liberty outward for others. You benefit from it, but be sure to give it away. He says how? Well, through love, serve one another. So there is nothing more foundational to our walk as Christ followers than God's love for us and our love for Others, please hear that. Nothing more foundational to our walk with Christ as Christ's followers than God's love for us. We could not love if God did not first love us. Everything starts with him. James chapter 2, our scripture for today, I'm going to read a portion here, beginning at verse 5. Listen, has not God chosen the poor of this world to be rich in faith, and heirs of the kingdom, which he promised to those who love him. But you have dishonored the poor man. Do not the rich oppress you and drag you into the courts? Do they not blaspheme that noble name by which you are called? If you really fulfill the royal law, according to the scripture, you shall love your neighbor as yourself, you do well. But if you show partiality, you commit sin and are convicted by the law as transgressors. So speak and so do as those who will be judged by the law of liberty. That's an interesting text. Now, don't take this to mean that God is against rich people. Amen to that, y'all. You know why? Because y'all rich. All y'all are rich. By the standards of the rest of the world, most of the rest of the world, we're all rich. So it's not so much the monetary aspect, but it's the haughty attitude. It's the sense of controlling everybody, the sense of being better than. That's the, that's the error of being rich because even, even Paul advised those who are rich to do good, distribute, be a blessing. So it's not that it's inherently wrong. It's just that people with a whole lot it, it can tend toward extreme arrogance. That's not helpful, of course. Now, as far as being poor, let me touch this briefly. Uh, everybody out in the street is not poor in the Bible sense. Now, of course, you can measure poor different ways. Uh, but being poor in the Bible sense is someone who, through largely no fault of their own, are in a bad state right now 
have no control over. For example, all children are poor. They broke. They all broke. <laughs> they don't have a place to live on their own. In that sense, all right? But truly, we all have been in a place where we need help. And we have limited resources. Sometimes very limited. And so being poor, you know, is nothing inherently wrong with it. It's not noble. It's not bad. It's not, it's just what it is. But, but God is always concerned about poor people because it's easy to take advantage of them. It's much easier to abuse and, and, and use people who don't have a lot. And so we want to be compassionate and not prejudge people. Um, because it has not God chosen the poor of this world to be rich in faith? So that it's interesting, when you look at the black history videos, understand that a lot of what motivated people to do what they did, where, where, whether it was the lady who started the Alpha Home, uh, whether it is uh, John Perrier who said, I don't want these streets named after slave states. Isn't that strong? It got the names changed, you know. Uh, whether it is uh, the other stories, uh, they all had a motivation of love, of love and the liberty of love. They wanted something to change based on their love for people, whether their own people or the community or the city. And so it's interesting that this, this law of liberty, we'll talk more about that, is, is always in play. So recognize that we don't want, God doesn't want anybody poor to be left alone and ignored. He doesn't want their state to be overlooked. He wants them, wants people to be helped, all people, but poor people, for others who have, to help them stand up and to help their condition change. That's the basis of almost all of our black history, is people helping people improve, to break conditions that limit them. All right, so then, going into this, I want you to respect the, the, the notion that God respects poor people. We'll see some examples here in our lesson on today. Then he said this. He said that previous text. He says, now, if you fulfill the royal law, say royal law. What is it? Well, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. The royal law. He says, and so speak and do your actions, your words, should reflect those who will be judged by the law of liberty. The law of liberty is the real law. It is love. Now watch this. So disregarding and oppressing the poor was commonplace in Jesus' day. And there was the belief that people who were poor or disabled were responsible, were responsible for their condition. That holds true today. There's still the sense that if somebody is in a certain state, then they did it to themselves. We don't know that. Of course, people make mistakes. Things go wrong. We know this. We have experienced that, some of us. But then to make that judgment that they're lacking in character, there's something wrong with them because they're poor, or to say that, you know, every, every, every black child growing up in the hood is at risk. I grew up in the hood. I was never at risk. I was at promise. <laughs> I told you before, 
I'll stop using the phrase at risk because at risk, I, I don't like it when someone characterizes a whole group. Uh, so you are, you know what? You're at risk. Well, listen, y'all, if you take some kids and live in the suburbs and I mean, a big house and you don't supervise them, they can be in the basement building bombs. That was the Columbine massacre. Remember that? It was, it was middle class white kids in the basement building bombs that they then detonated, you know, and killed a bunch of people in the high school. Oh, they were at risk. They, they at risk, at risk of what? Alone, not supervised. So what is, why do we, well, we know why. I'm just not asking that question. <laughs> Let's not look at people different than how God sees people. God sees people at promise, promise of improvement, promise of being loved, promise of experiencing the liberty that love brings. Amen, somebody. The homeless person out here. Now, Pastor Bumford, so he taught, he taught me this. I shared with you a few weeks ago. Sometimes people out here who are homeless have decided, I don't want to obey nobody's rules. If I go to that shelter, they're going to make me come in here and sit down and listen. You know, make me, make me you know, listen to some advice or a sermon or, or whatever, wash up, whatever. And so some people, some people refuse to obey anybody's instructions. They'd rather be in the street by themselves. And there they are. We still have compassion on them. But it's context, y'all. Don't assume that, you know, everybody out there just had no place to go. Well, some people did. Some don't. We just can't judge people like that. Looked up on the Harin camera. We had a dumpster out there last month. And there was a guy dumpster diving. Now, listen, y'all, when I say diving, dude was all the way in the dumpster. He wasn't just on top. He, he dug down. And went, I couldn't see him no more. Went down into it, you know. And I, I thought, Lord, help this guy. This stuff in there could hurt him, you know. He, so I, what I did, I just, we have, we have sirens on the cameras. I hit the button. He jumped up out of it and ran away, you know. It was funny and sad. But, uh, you know, now his mind, he probably thought, I'm going to find something I can sell or something. You know, and he, he dragged something out of there, too, one time. All I'm saying is, it's a condition that people live in. And some have chosen that condition. And listen, y'all, some of those folk are not poor in the Bible sense. Not, not, of course, they're poor in the obvious sense. But in the sense that somebody go dive in a dumpster, and I'm around out there and bring him everything, bring him a bunch of money and a bunch of food. I'm not doing that. I'm bringing, I bring you some instruction. I bring you something, and I'm seeing you what you do with it. Listen, y'all, people have learned to survive. They're going to survive. But don't fall into this thing of having a sense of false, false love and, and just don't, don't, don't placate, help people. Don't just placate people, help people. Take them someplace to get some help. If they won't go, you can't help them. We were helping a brother some, some time ago who was, who was poor in a you know, natural sense. We tried to help him, and uh, we gave some advice, you know, and he just a situation where he had a home in a different state. And he said, Kevin said, why don't you come, come and be with us? He said, I, I, I don't want to be with them. 
He refused. I said, I'll, I'll give you money and a bus ticket. I'll send you home. No, I don't want that. I made my, I'm going to stay here. I, all right, dude. You're a man. You made your decision, and I'm done giving you money. Now, how'd that sound to you? Oh, pastor, that's not kind. But it's right. Sometimes we're not ready to deal with stuff. Or we just want to just act like we're going to deal with stuff. Let's deal with people. Let's help people. Try to help people. And the sad part is you can't help everybody. and You can't save anybody. Not the Savior. So, but God's heart's for the poor. And if this brother had a humbled himself, he'd have qualified as poor in God's sight. And we could have helped him all kind of ways. But when the God tells you, I'm not doing that, I'm not listening to you anymore about this. Oh, uh, hey, uh, uh, make, uh, give me some money. No, dude. You don't refuse instruction and ask for something. This is life in the real world, y'all. Life in the real world, of which many of you are familiar. All right, move on now. So then, there is this compassion God has for the poor, those who are disabled, elderly. There are people who are in the biblical sense we pay attention to like God does. We help, we love everybody, but you really can't really help people and help them progress if they aren't willing. That's my message. Hope you got, hope that came through. We have a lot of compassion. We help a lot of people. But thank God for those who let us help them. And Lord, have mercy on those who refuse help. All right. Now, Jesus began his earthly ministry with these words. Luke chapter 4, verse 18. In fact, if you can, read with me. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he's anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor, sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, the recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed. So when Jesus began the ministry, he spoke these words. But notice, notice the theme. It says he was sent to proclaim liberty to the captives. Everybody needs some liberty, y'all. He says, I have been sent to preach the gospel to the poor. What's the good news to a poor person? Then the, you don't have to be poor anymore. Poor is a state you can leave. Being poor isn't a permanent state. Being poor is a place you, you can leave with enough help and willingness. He said, recovering of sight to the blind. Again, the word liberty, to set at liberty those who are oppressed. So again, this theme of liberty runs throughout the whole message of love. God's love and liberty are inseparable. Where you find liberty, you find love. Where you find love, you find liberty. Because that's what love does. Now, what is the royal law? Well, it is the royal law. It is a law, rule, or principle that is the king of all laws, being the sum and essence of the Ten Commandments. Our great king, God, is love. His law is the royal law of love, and it reigns supreme. It is a law fit for those who are royal and able to liberate others. You know, the word called us a royal priesthood, a royal people. You are royal because you belong to the king. 
that makes you royal. So I am royal. So the royal law is love. The most important law, the most important principle, because God is love. You never go wrong walking in God's love. You never go wrong walking in his light. And so this is what the royal law is. Watch this. In Psalm 93, verse 1, David wrote, The Lord is king. He is robed in majesty. Indeed, the Lord is robed in majesty and armed with strength. The world stands firm and cannot be shaken. Verse 4, The mightier, but mightier than the violent raging of the seas, mightier than the breakers on the shore. The Lord above is mightier than these. Watch this. Your royal laws cannot be changed. God's laws cannot be changed. Your reign, O Lord, is holy forever and ever. People change other things in this world, change things about themselves, but you cannot change God's royal laws. What he has established from love to the essence of humanity to the purpose of creation, those things are never going to be changed. And so that we are serving the king of the royal law. That's why when he wants to do something, when he wants to bring forth something to your life or through you to other people, this is for the purpose of liberation. That's why we begin the whole message entitled The Liberty of Love. There's, no, there's nothing more powerful than God's love because God is love. So when you bring the love of God to people, you're bringing God to people. You bring God's love to people, you're bringing God because God is love. And so love is manifest, again, not in feelings. Love is not just in word, but love is what? Deed and truth. This we already know. Here's a story about how Jesus demonstrated the liberty of love. Watch this. In Luke 18, verse 36, reading here says, And hearing a multitude passing by, talking about Bartimaeus, he asked what it meant. So they told him that Jesus of Nazareth was passing by. And he cried out, saying, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Then those who went before warned him that he should be quiet. But he cried out all the more, Dad, son of David, have mercy on me. <laughs> Why would they say be quiet? Well, in that culture, we've talked before, in, this, in their culture, it was inappropriate for disabled people to speak out. Again, they were considered cursed. That their condition, they thought, was proof that God was against them. And that's why they were offered, shuffled off in these different places and neglected. That's why we talked about last week, the man by the pool of Bethesda had to drag himself to that place and hope he could get in the water because there's no one to help him. It was not in the culture to help people who were disabled. And so when this man spoke up, he did the absolute wrong thing to do, was raising his voice. He said, man, be quiet. You have no, you have no business speaking out. As far as he concerned, <laughs> he knew who was coming. He had heard, again, he's blind, he's hearing. He's, he heard so much about Jesus of Nazareth. He had heard the stories about the miracles and the healings and, 
and people have been blessed by him. And so when he heard he was coming down the street, this was his moment. I don't know about you, but I'm feeling, I'm feeling Bartimaeus right about now. Amen. And when you get into enough distress and pain, you don't care what people are talking about. My answer is walking down the street. I can hear him getting closer. He's blind. His hearing was good. <laughs> Son of David said, Jesus. He said, hey, you man upstairs. Oh, Jesus. Call the name. Son of David, have mercy on me. They warned him, be quiet. He cried out all the more. <laughs> all the more. So Jesus demonstrated this law of liberty. Watch this. So then verse 40, it says, so Jesus stood still. Deal. He stopped walking and heard the man and commanded him to be brought to him. And when he come near, he asked him, saying, what do you want me to do for you? And he said, Lord, he said, Lord, he didn't say, hey, dude. He worshiped Lord. I that I may receive my sight. I understand that, again, the context in that culture was so different. This next slide explains it. By stopping at the request of blind Bartimaeus, Jesus defied the status quo, broke the stigma of disability, and dignified the man who had no value in the eyes of many people in his community. This is what Jesus does. He always stands still for people who will stand still to know that God is God. Can you say amen to that? Love that. Love that. Jesus, there's nobody more important and famous than Jesus. And everybody else will just walk by Bartimaeus, ignore him, say, man, be quiet. Go somewhere in the corner and just shut up and be quiet and be out of sight. But then when Jesus came, he cried out, and called him, Jesus stood still, looked around and said, bring him over here. That's what Jesus does. He paid attention. In the midst of a whole crowd of people, in the midst of circumstances swirling in your life, if you call him, he'll stand still. He'll listen to you, ask you, what do you want? It was obvious what he needed, but he asked him, what do you want? Come on, somebody. Tell God, you know, the old song was, he's on the main line. Call him up. Tell him what you want. That's <laughs> <an> old song. <laughs> he said, call him up, call him up. Whole chorus. That's true. It's so true. I've learned that. We've all learned it. We've all learned it. We've learned that, haven't we? And sometimes you have to call him over the noise of everything else. In your life, you know, over the over the frustrations and the, and the and just the density of things you're dealing with, and just your overwhelmed sense in your mind, and more is a lot. Just call him; he'll stand still. And when he asks you what you want, tell him. Don't dilly a dally. 
You know what I'm saying? Don't be around the bush. Tell him what you want. Glory to God. Stood still. So then the Bible says that he healed him. Amen. Of course, he did what he promised he would do. Verse 42, of course, it says that Jesus healed him. He received his sight. And the Bible says that the people rejoiced. I mean, all of him, they all knew him. They knew him. And so when they saw the blessing and the miracle of his healing, they were happy for him. He got his liberty. And watch this. They received their liberty in knowing this is what Jesus can do. That's why, listen, that's why your blessing, your testimony means so much. Because it helps people have the heart, gain heart that God can help them too. And so this final slide, it just says here in closing, that when we practice the law of love, people are dignified, lives are changed, we are encouraged, and God is glorified. You believe that? Give God some praise. Come on, bless the Lord. Thank you, Lord God, for the law of liberty, or the liberty of love, which is from that royal law of liberty. Father, thank you for just reminding us of some things here today, maybe showing us for the first time some things, helping us to deepen our appreciation of the power of your love and the liberty, the freedom that comes out of your love because your love isn't only a feeling. Your love is all the actions you've taken for our benefit, all the power you've put in us to benefit others. Lord, thank you for reminding us of what Bartimaeus experienced, that you stand still for people who will stand for you and cry out and be willing to defy the whole culture, to defy what the status quo says, to, to do what they know in their heart is right and necessary. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that you stood still and you still do this for us when we call on your name.